0: In this episode of the RV Small Talk podcast, we get down into the nitty gritty, the statistical numbers games of what the heck is going on in RV sales for dealerships and manufacturers. You're gonna wanna stick around, we brought in an expert.
1: Welcome to the RV Small Talk Podcast, where we talk about lightweight trailers, truck campers, and the people, places, and things that go along with them. We're your hosts from Princess Craft RV, I'm Lindsay. I'm
2: Clint. And I'm PJ. Thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Are you sure it's (laughs) the people, places, and things? Or it might be the people, places, and adventures. And numbers. Ooh. If you're looking for anything related to this podcast, previous episodes show notes head on over to rvsmalltalk.com and if you want to join in the conversation and play a part in our community go over to facebook and look for the RV Small Talk community group we have a lot of fun there check it out and join in little charlotte cheese is pretty as a uh, uh, as the angels when they sing "Burner." i just can't believe i'm on this front porch in this swing just a swaying hand
1: <laughs> did you write that song for your daughter
0: no that's an old oh. um Shh, just say yes i wrote it for charlotte she doesn't like it
1: okay. my kids don't like it when i sing either what I, is that
0: my my kids are like you don't make up songs you don't sing songs you and do, you do not sing with you, me
1: you sit down you be quiet <laughs> <laughs> I know. I sing all the time, my and my kids, kids are just like, "Stop, is lovely, mom!
0: You is kind, and they're you like, is, you is, ugly, <laughs> <you> is
1: <laughs>
0: No, uh, <laughs> they love us deep,
1: deep, deep down
0: inside somewhere. They do not. They start loving us in their thirties.
1: No, they love us in like when 30s. we do things for them.
0: That's not love. It's that's ownership. <laughs> it's
1: a sugar high.
0: <laughs> uh oh. Mm. That sounds like my motorcycle. Mm. No, no, it doesn't. I mean, sounds, it doesn't do that. That sounds like a way your motorcycle. <laughs> <than mine. laughs> they actually call the type of motorcycle I have a thumper.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's banter about that. Okay. What What's this project you have going on in your garage that is completely terrifying um,
0: to me? Okay. So I picked up a a used, probably slightly abused motorcycle. And I'm putting it back together.
1: I think you're missing the most important part of it.
0: Uh, it was it it came off the production line. This really cool deep, I won't say red, but it was it was a deep red family. Uh huh. But it was like I said, ridden hard, abused, and it lived its time in the desert of New Mexico. So it turned pink. So you bought a used pink thumper. Uh, okay, yeah. So so Thumper is... They call them that because it's a single cylinder, but it's 650 cc. So it's a big single cylinder. So when it, when it's revving or running, it sounds like... Thump, 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 and it kind of shakes you to bits that way too. That doesn't sound like fun at all. It sounds like a blast. I got it as a project. I wanted to work on something. And when I was a kid, my mom surprised me by by having a guy drop off this motorcycle and I thought this is so cool and I got super excited. Okay, here's the deal. The guy was like, hey, would your son like this motorcycle? And she says, will it ever run? No, probably not. And so your mom said, I'll <laughs> take it. <laughs> and so it lived on the back porch as something to walk around and I was probably, I was probably early teens, 14, 14, 15, maybe even 13 and I had no one in my family or friends group that wrote it all. And I had no one who worked on any mechanical things. So I was totally interested, but I had no one to guide me. So it was a big old
1: disappointment on your back porch.
0: It was a big disappointment. But a few months ago, I realized I was fixing some of the farm equipment. I was getting lawnmowers and riding lawnmowers working again. And it started me thinking, you can do this, I wish I had that motorcycle now, yeah, because I probably could fix it now,
1: so you just posted a few days ago, yeah, a video of it running it yeah. starts
0: it does, so it did start it was a little bit of a hard start when I first got it, so I cleaned out some the carburetor, I redid the exhaust and all that it and it's I gotta admit, it sat for most of the summer staring at me in the garage, just like the old one on the back porch, but Uh, About a week ago, I said, that's it. I can't have parts all over the place. I'm. Did you say
1: that or did your wife say that? It was... (laughs) We were talking
0: about getting some other things organized and how how frustrating it was working around the garage. Yeah. And I said, my project's the problem. Okay. It's all over the floor. And the kids can't maneuver because it's not safe. Yeah. There's a motorcycle in the middle of the garage. So, (laughs) so, So I started putting parts back on and the thing starts beautifully. So don't expect me out riding anytime soon
1: so what's next for the motorcycle are you gonna paint
0: it i did paint it what color is it now it is tan it's tan black and silver how boring yeah i know i know but it looks tough okay so what do you have to do
1: next flames coming out the side of it
0: mm, i thought about that but i was thinking about the electrical stuff because right now it has no electronics at work so it it isn't even possible to ride on the streets oh yeah. No okay. Lo- fix
1: that first. But then there's a headlight that works flames. and a
0: tail light that works, but it has no turn signals. Uh, it has no speedometer on there right now or anything. So flames next. Flames. Yes. Got it. On it. But I'm also not going to be riding anytime soon. I haven't really ridden anything like a motorcycle since I was probably 12. Baby steps. Yeah. So, I need to take the safety course. Right. And I am not doing that when it's 100 degrees. Nope. Because that's two or three days. You have to
1: wear like the jacket and the pants and the helmet and yeah. that's a big no. And
0: you're on a-, on a Asphalt, a, yeah. You're on asphalt <laughs> for hours. So, I'm going to wait till it's a little bit cooler. I'll go ahead and schedule that. I think
1: that's really smart of you, Clint.
0: So, and, uh, and the- other deal is I don't think that my family is going to be down for me riding on the streets anyways, which is probably for the better. I have a, I have a history of vehicles going through the air with me in them. So it's probably best for me not to have a history, develop a history of me going through the air on vehicles with me on them, because it sounds like it's a quick ejection kind of situation. Yeah,
1: I don't even think you can be ejected from a motorcycle. You're, yeah. You're you not just, in it.
0: You just kind of let go and it goes one way, hopefully. As my are. son
1: would say. You get yeeted.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. There'll there'll be some of that. <laughs> mm. But here's the deal. Um, Laura is actually down, there's a there's a company here in the Austin area called the MX Factory. And they do lessons on how to ride motocross motorcycles. And it it's a one or two-day thing out at this motocross ranch, and they say, We'll put you on the smallest and weeniest motocross bikes and teach you how to go around a dirt track like they do cool and she's and she's down to do this with me i want to do it so well i'll give you the deets and we'll we'll go yeet get yeeted all as a fun group (laughs) get yeeted hey
2: that would be a good princess craft event
0: it will be expensive when it's all said and done you know but still hey we're worth it okay i'll give you the deets so you can see all the peeps from (laughs) from (laughs) princess craft get yeeted (laughs) oh no so
2: Well, you know, we always say it's all about the adventure.
0: And that's why I do these things. That's why I pick up a project is because it's my own little adventure. And, and it's, it's problem solving. It's puzzle solving. So, Good There it is
1: Speaking of adventure
0: Oh no, are we going to talk about statistics? Let's
1: talk about statistics <laughs> oh, They call me the Segway Queen and is, I don't know and That is you how you screw up your transmission on
2: When you change
0: gears that harshly, <laughs> the transmission gets blown
2: What are the statistics on you segwaying successfully?
0: Well, we always get there, so it's got to be pretty high
2: I guess so, well let's get started
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well i'm so excited today because we get to talk to scott about stats scott yeah scott key with statistical surveys oh. so hey scott thanks for taking the time to chat with us
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I know it's a mouthful saying Scott Stropke from Statistical Surveys. It's a
2: lot.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Actually,
2: you kind of have a new name around here. Um, You are Scott Stropke.
0: Well, it's just so karate-esque. It's very martial
2: artsy. It makes Clint feel better. I don't know what to tell you.
3: I think Clint, you must be smart then because I think the right way to say it is... Stropkey, yes, but it got Americanized over the years, and it's Stropkey. Oh,
0: you should take that back.
3: Wow. Well, own it. I should.
2: <laughs> well, all that to be said, Scott Stropkey has a very nice ring. Uh, okay, so I would like to start out just uh, explaining to other people what I already know about you. You were a teacher, is that right?
3: I was a teacher for four years, so I graduated from West Virginia, Univers- West Virginia University with the elementary education degree. I taught two years in North Carolina, and then two years back home in Michigan. Kids are great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd probably still be teaching if parents weren't around. But oh, I've heard this before. are attached with kids, and kids are awesome. Parents, I'm going to put this bluntly: parents suck. Oh yeah. And-
2: <laughs> okay, parents. Yeah, we totally yeah, suck.
3: And the problem is it's only like 10% of parents that are don't see the world correctly. The other 90 are great, but that 10% really oh. does ruin it for teachers. So well, I have a yeah. heart of gold for teachers.
2: Well, how about you, Clint? You were a teacher, eight years, and a parent. Yeah, he made it eight years before Mm -hmm. he gave up and joined Princess. And I
0: was and I was middle school, so uh, so the the kids that are so sweet have their brains are fried by that point. They're all they're all the changes are happening.
1: But are the parents as bad in middle school? They are.
0: They have honed in on being bad.
1: They they
2: have perfected
1: (laughs) it, right? And
0: and then you have admin as well. So whatever.
3: yeah well eight years that's a good run Clint
0: yeah uh, I, I decided I'd work for a friend and here I am with PJ apprentice craft
2: yeah well yeah.
0: there
3: you go You
2: ought to pick your friends better I guess that's all it's, I have to t- say hey, about it's that
0: working for me I'm not <laughs> complaining
2: well you know how have you always been a numbers guy because I would think numbers aren't necessarily the thing that draw people to teaching so, something you want to do a, when you're a little boy yeah <laughs> yeah did you I, I wanted all right,
3: well I want to crunch numbers for a living. I don't want to pat myself on the back, but why I think I'm halfway decent at my job is I'm really not a numbers guy. When I came Mm -hmm. to this job, I, I feel people in the RV industry, they can run their business without the statistical surveys numbers. They're just not going to run it as well. So that's kind of what I can bring. I can see how you can do things without numbers. But with numbers, you can do things even better. So to answer your question, PJ, I wasn't a numbers guy, but now I'm a full-fledged numbers guy.
2: So you're gonna make this discussion fun and interesting?
3: As fun as numbers can be. Okay. All right, fair Fair enough. enough.
0: Okay, if you're if you're if you're supplying dealerships and manufacturers these numbers and all that, what what kind of numbers and stats do you supply that are interesting to them? What what gets them to where they open the email and say, I'm gonna pour over this? What What sticks out?
3: All right. So we'll just take a manufacturer as an example. We'll just randomly, we'll take Keystone RV. Okay. So Keystone sells a whole bunch of RVs for sure. Yeah. (laughs) And they know internally where they sell them because they're going to get the warranty cards back. They're going to know everywhere that they sold the Keystone RV. But let's just say they sold a hundred into Dallas, Texas. Is a hundred good? Is it bad? Well, unless you get the stat surveys data to see the full market, you don't know if that hundred is good or bad. Maybe there's 10,000 sold and you have a hundred. So you have a 1% market share. If I did my math right, that's not so good. So they need our data to see the full scope of the market, Clint. Okay. They know their internal stuff, but they need us to fill in the gaps.
0: Oh yeah. Okay, good. Good. Cool.
1: Cause you're always doing good. If you just compare yourself to yourself, right?
3: Yeah.
0: you are got to compare
1: I mean, yourself to other people.
3: You <laughs> don't know if it's good or bad. You're just going along. And so you need some kind of metric to compare yourself against. And same thing for dealers. A dealer can say, all right, I've had 50 sales in my market. Is that good or bad? Mm-hmm. Again, if you get the full story with all the stat surveys data, you can see, all right, well, that is really good. Yeah. Or, you know, i got to improve a little bit. Yeah.
2: So if a hundred were sold, it's good. If a thousand were sold, it's maybe not so great.
3: Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Makes
0: sense. Now, before you did this gig, specifically dealing with the RV industry, were you at all in tune to RVs at all? Did did you care? Do you RV? Or is this like I just jumped in and learned it all as I went?
3: I'm going to be a politician here. Yes. To all of those. Okay. Okay. i didn't know much about rvs i think if you ask most people not in the rv industry they know what an airstream is and they mm. don't know what they know what a winnebago is okay and yeah. that's kind of it yeah. even though my former boss's mom she'd call everything a winnebago because that was what <laughs> yes. in her head it was a winnebago <laughs> yeah so, it's
0: the kleenex of you know, the tissue yes. <laughs> yes
3: it is which is good and bad for winnebago so I don't own an RV. We probably RV two or three times a summer. Okay. Um, I rent them or get them from friends or whatnot. Sure, sure. But like everybody else, during COVID, I've looked more and more about buying an RV. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, um, but someday I probably will.
0: Okay.
2: Well, we should talk because I know yeah. you don't know very many dealers. So <laughs> I, don't. <laughs> I don't know very many dealers
1: at
2: all. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, camping is good for the soul. So you should uh, you should do more of it. Uh, get you and away the, from those numbers.
3: No, absolutely. And the best thing about this industry, and I did not coin this, we sell fun. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing this on the auto side, sometimes it's not as fun. But on the RV side, they truly want to buy an RV from you. It's not like they have to have one. They want one. So it's cool that our customers want what we have to offer.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: well, we all agree wholeheartedly on that for yes. sure.
0: Well, the tools that you offer us as a dealership and the manufacturers, uh, the tools are like you said, they really give us an idea of where we stand, how healthy we really are. Uh, not just, you know, fluffing up in our own mind how, how we are, but uh, how does how does someone like you go from teaching and and maybe not be an avid RVer? How do you find your way into this gig?
3: So I was a teacher for four years and I said, I had enough of this. Mm-hmm. I went back to school, got my MBA. I was working at a bank and banks just don't suit my personality. Even though I seem kind of dry and emotionless, I kind of have a, a smart aleck tint to me and that doesn't work in a bank setting. You
0: have found so the right put, industry now.
3: Yes. <laughs> exactly. yeah, we all find our high watermark. Yeah. <laughs> so I was at the bank and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I wanted to quit. My wife told me to quit. I said, I cannot quit until I find another job. Okay. It's just how it works. I'm not going to quit and not have a job. So I was literally on monster.com and this cryptic message for an opening in Grand Rapids, Michigan came up Compa- company confidential. I forget what exactly said. I wish I would have printed it out. So I just hit submit. And didn't think much about it. And I guess part of the story was I was feeding my youngest son. It was 3.30 in the morning. Uh-huh. And I was just <laughs> scrolling on Monster and saw this ad. Hit hit submit, forgot about it. Got a call the next day, which was like six hours later, to get an interview. I interviewed with a guy named Tom Walworth, who was the owner of Stat Surveys for years. Had the job within a week. And 15 years later, that's where I am. Wow.
1: That's cool. Uh, I mean, right now, it's kind of a weird time for obviously the RV industry. And I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if statistics are more powerful now or if they're just more confusing now because everything's just going wee. <laughs> <laughs> but what is there? What's obviously a lot of things are selling Everything's selling is there anything with the trends you're seeing right now that's surprising as far as what's selling or things that didn't sell before that now are anything that kind of caught you off guard
3: well i'll go to the first part of your question and great question and i'm i feel like i'm an honest person and i'm gonna honestly say since last april through today Mm -hmm. stats are a little confusing Uh. because everything's selling um, dealers are taking whatever they can get. It might not even be the floor plans they want or the models they want, but they are just taking it and it is selling. Mm-hmm. So this last 12, 15 months is a little confusing in terms of looking at data and how much it can help you. And I was actually training Thor Motor Coach the other day and was just talking to him. I said, yeah, we've, we've, we're finally going to have some data that can you know, make an impact because the last year has been a little tough. And then a gentleman there, I won't name his name because I don't want to throw him under the bus. He said, well, Scott, now we have this rise in Delta variant. Are we going to get another, you know, COVID boost for the RV industry? I said, well, dang you. Now I can't say that data is coming back around. So to answer your question, I think data is a little confusing now, but it's still nice to see because whether if you're a manufacturer, you still want to see how you're doing in each market. And as a dealer, I know dealers may have issues with what what other dealers are getting product. Are they getting more product than me? And our data can show you that because basically, unless it has stopped, manufacturer to dealer to consumer is basically a flow through. So looking at our data can basically show you what type of of volume certain dealers have got for manufacturers.
0: I got to think that he's building this incredible case study for people to research later. (laughs) I mean, it may be weird, but this is going to be incredible to kind of pour over in this coming years. Like, what happened?
2: The RV explosion. But, okay, well, you mentioned if all of these manufacturers or dealers are comparing what everybody else got, do you get angry calls? I mean, I get angry calls. Do you get angry calls with people saying, Is this right? Or maybe they call somebody else to complain. Why did they have so many and I didn't or whatever?
3: Angry calls. I don't know if I get angry calls, but I get a lot of. Confused, confused calls isn't right, too, but I'll have whether it's a manufacturer or dealer, they'll say, hey, Scott, you show us with 100 registrations this month. We had 155. Why does your data stink?
1: So why does your data stink? Yeah, (laughs) tell us what they're not seeing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's a great question. So our data is only as good as what we get from the states. So all of the stat surveys data is based off a state or provincial registration. So someone buys a new RV from Princess Craft. Let's just say they register in Ontario, Canada. Just use an example. We'll get that registration from Ontario. And that's how it ends up in the stat surveys data. We won't put it in there because PJ said she sold it, even though we trust her, believe her. Oh, come she's a great. On. We won't put it in there till we see it from the state or province. So when dealers or manufacturers call, that's really the. I've been here 15 years. I've probably had that conversation a thousand times, maybe okay. more. But it.
1: it'll still count as a sale for Princess Craft, or no? You just don't see it at all, or you see it no, as we would.
3: We would see it as a registration in Canada, in in Ontario. And we'd also see it as a dealer sale for Princess Craft in Texas. Got it. So where right. it's placed would be Canada and where it was sold or the dealer data, as we call it, would be in Texas. But there could
0: be a, cha- a difference between the time that trailer drove off our lot and by right. the time it finally rolls you, in in Ontario, You don't see registers. anything until it's registered.
3: That's correct. That's where the difference in the data okay. will come into play okay. for what a dealer or manufacturer has sold compared right. to what we have. Over the course of a few months, the data should be spot on. If it's not, I'd be worried, but it's probably not going to match exactly by the month for dealers or manufacturers. So that's probably the biggest complaint that we get. And also the complaint we get is, Scott, why is your data 37 days delayed behind the end of the month? So September 7th, will release month end July data. So 37 days, that's all dependent on the states. We can turn it out about three to four days once we get it. Oh, so man. we're just waiting on the states. We used to be 54 days behind the end of the month till about three years ago. Okay. Sounds like progress. Sounds like
2: a lot of numbers in my head already. It is. It's okay. too many numbers, DJ. Uh, uh, all right. Well, uh, easy question. Okay. If you are run statistically on just registrations in states, are there good states and bad states? Well, i mean are there's good well, states that report well and states that report
1: terribly that you struggle with
2: this was another so,
1: podcast remember the bad state oh yeah
3: that state we can't talk kansas. about anymore kansas <laughs> kansas, oh, kansas. <laughs> can, can, does kansas
2: report that, well that's really our question
3: well all the states and provinces report well now some are better than others meaning some states are delayed, and I won't throw those states out there. They're continually oh, delayed. Kansas. Um, Kansas, All right, Kansas,
2: <laughs> come on. All right. Get it's up not with the towns. It
3: might be sh- the show me state. <gasps> of <the> very- oh. <laughs> we always get their data, but it's always just a little delayed, which, you know, you learn to live with that. Texas, and I know you guys are all sitting in Texas, and so I'm playing to a home crowd. Texas, in my 15 years here, has always been the best state.
2: woo looky there.
3: But they have struggled, certain counties have struggled over the last three or four mm. months, keeping up with all the registration data. Okay. Um, Harris County, as an example, they're a little delayed. So I heard they county... were seven
2: weeks behind.
3: Yes, so you know, right there. So yes. again- I'll throw them dependent. under the bus.
2: Come on, Harris County. <laughs>
3: but Texas historically has been great and most of the state is still right on par but there's a few counties that are really delayed seven weeks as you said so yeah um, all the states really have done a good job i mean states get a bad rap but they do do a pretty good job of getting us data so but if in anybody s- in, this-
1: in some states you have access to more data than other states right like some states yes. give you more so you can make charts and graphs and put out more information.
3: Yeah, the big difference in all 50 states and in Canada, we get what's called placement data, included in Kansas. So that means where the unit <laughs> is registered. Doesn't <laughs> no matter where it was bought, could have been bought in Miami, Florida. But if it's registered in Miami, Oklahoma, that's where the data is coming from. We get that in every state and every province. 35 okay. states provide us dealer information. Ah. And so yeah. like Oklahoma, Kansas, they don't provide dealer information. Texas, Michigan, where I'm at do. It's not up to little old stat surveys. We follow the exact same rules as the auto industry. So if you guys were, you know, podcasting with a bald, tall, bald auto data guy. he'd Never. He, he, well, it'd <laughs> probably be a he if he was bald. They would tell you the exact same thing. 35 states provide dealer information. We wish it was all 50 but some states just don't provide it. Not sure why.
1: Is that like a law or like, I mean, why? I think so. uh, Okay.
3: All right. Maybe in that state. Yeah. It's just because like in Kansas, as an example, Kansas knows which dealer sold that unit. They have to for tax reasons, but they just don't pass that information on to third party data people.
1: Have you tried writing a strongly worded letter? kansas as per my last email dear kansas
3: yes i have i just just put the letter b in it and it's funny i believe
1: you i totally believe you
3: no we actually we mean nothing to these state statistical surveys but we work with a much larger company called ihs polk who does what we do on the auto side Uh huh. so they have lobbyists that are talking to states that are trying to get this data um because it's helpful know, for
1: everybody, I think the states and for dealers and for manufacturers and all everybody. I
0: mean, in the end, consumers as well benefit. I mean, people.
3: Yeah, people. we're in agreement, but unfortunately, no one listens to me, so we just take what we get. That's interesting.
2: Okay. What? Well, it's, <laughs> yeah,
0: you're doing great, PJ. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I, my mind is going we in so many stuck. directions when you're looking at at data coming in. When I look at stat surveys, uh, first of all, I want to see what's selling, of course. I want to see which brands are selling. So many times it's hard to tell because manufacturers don't break it out. Like, what's up with Forest River? I mean, I can't tell what's what sometimes in the stats. Do you just have to take what manufacturers send you? No, it's
3: all based off that VIN, PJ. Okay. Whether it's a Forest River or a Keystone or a Jayco or whoever, we take it all off the VIN. So it's 17 digits. The first three numbers of the VIN are the WMI. So that's basically what manufactured is. And then digits four to 17 can tell you all sorts of other things. So manufacturers may put in there that it's a XYZ model and... It may There may be three or four models being rolled up into that one, I think is what I you're see. getting at. That's bit. what
2: I'm seeing. Okay, so it's VIN-based, and so you can't differentiate whether it's a big trailer or a, a, which which actual name brand it is.
3: No, in, in most cases we can. And manufacturers, okay. That that's part of my job is I talk to manufacturers all the time, break out more product. The dealers want to see it, so the dealers know what to stock. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Um, makes As sense. an
3: example when grand design started in 2013 or 14 i was talking to the fenix and don clark i said break out all your products don't just lump it all into grand design break it all out and they're like no we don't want to do that i said do it you'll like it and i talked to
0: some
3: <laughs> statistical you'll drug like
0: pusher
2: <laughs> do it you'll so, like it
3: you'll like it i promise anyway they did end up breaking out all their products. And I got a call, I think, from Don Clark years later. He said, Scott, you know what? You're probably rarely right, but <laughs> you were right in this case because our dealers can see what products are moving. So if it's the solitude, if it's the momentum, they can see that. And that helps our sales reps talk to dealers as well. So sure. It makes a lot trying of sense. To yeah. get the whole industry to break out as much product as possible.
2: You know, I always wonder how manufacturers can say, you know, the Solitude is the best selling fifth wheel in, you know, the first half of 2021. It stands alone. And, or whatever. I mean, I don't even know if it's a fifth wheel. I should know. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) I should know. But, But I wonder where they get that information. And I'm assuming they get it from you.
3: Yeah, they'd get it from us. We get calls from manufacturers that are putting out press releases. Or, you know, RV Business, RV News that say, hey, this OEM sent us this press release. Can you fact check it? And we'll fact check it. Oh, really? You do fact
2: checking? Ooh.
3: Yeah, because all the OEMs, in my opinion, they're honest. They don't want to put bad stuff out there. But sometimes they just look at the data wrong and they put bad stuff out there. So sometimes we catch them and just, hey, can you change this to say this? They're like, yeah, sure. They're all easy to work with.
1: Good. That's good to know so the other part of your job um other than tracking units and what's selling is demographics correct
3: yep okay
1: I find it totally creepy, but will you explain to me how you get the demographics of who is buying what? Because that's also important to know.
0: Well, and it's watered down creepy because he's getting this in route through the government reporting agencies, I, and they're way more creepy. Scott yeah. is
1: not knocking on doors and asking people. <laughs> like, Are no, you? We have
3: a we have a little app installed in Alexa, so that's how Ooh. we do it. Oh,
0: I knew it. He's <laughs> ramping it
3: up. My <laughs> Alexa just started uh, beeping on. Okay. Uh, you said <laughs> no, it's way. It is a little creepy. I get it, but everything's creepy in today's yes, tech, totally. tech-driven world. But it's not quite as creepy as maybe you think. So we get the VINs from the state. So we decode this VIN. We can tell you all right, it's a Jayco J-Flight Jay registered in this county, sold by this dealer. We take all that data and send it to a company that I just mentioned, IHS Polk. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't code the RV data cause they don't care about it. But what they do have that we don't have is they have the name and address of the consumer tied to that VIN. So they take our coded data, attach the name and address to it. So this Jayco J flight, Jane and John Doe at one, two, three, four Sycamore lane live there. They can't provide that data out cause that'd be against the law, mm-hmm. but what they can do is, is they run that name and address to the same demographic system that they do on the auto side. And it gives us age, ethnicity, gender, and income range. No names or addresses
0: attached. It's just the stats.
3: Yes, it's just, it's pure stats. So we can't see that Jane and John Doe live at this address. We only know that this VIN is attached to a 46 year, 35 to 45 year old uh white female that mm-hmm. makes this amount of money okay
2: and you can tell how much money they make
1: wow yes. well range wise yeah
3: ranges. range wise it's, it's sure ranges. sure oh and there's also you know with data there's always idiosyncrasies like if you look at class a owners the income levels down which doesn't make sense until you think about it well the income levels down because a lot of them are retired right And the $500,000 they were making in their previous job is down to $36,000 now. Right. So you have to look at the data with a keen eye, let's say.
2: Okay. So I would think that those out there listening, because there's like one or two of them, um, would want to know two things. What's
1: selling right now? What's the hot type? And who's buying them? And everybody keeps talking about younger people buying units and stuff like that. Millennials taking up the market. Is that really true? That was three questions. Go. Yeah.
3: (laughs) So it's a great question. And it's something I keep pitching to the industry is, and I won't give you exact numbers, but it'll be ballpark. Yeah. About 9% of all new RV buyers so far this year are under the age of
1: 34. Whoa.
3: 9%? Nine percent, which is not a huge number, but that's up from about six and a half, seven percent just two or three years ago. So the younger generation is definitely coming in, as you can. The data will show that.
1: But taking over is a strong word.
3: (laughs) Yes, taking over is a very strong word because seventy percent of our buyers are between thirty-five and sixty-four years old. That's always going to be the core of the RV market. Mm -hmm. The good news is. With so many new younger buyers getting in, it should lead to more thirty-five to sixty-four year olds as they move into that age range. So it it all seems to be setting up well for a a nice generational run in the RV space.
2: Well, most people think of RVs bought by retired people, sixty-five and over, but that's not the case.
3: That's not that number's actually going down.
2: Hmm. Why?
3: Ooh, ooh, well, probably because the other number's coming oh, up. Oh, statistically.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: That that's makes how, sense. That's how equations work. Yeah. <laughs> Math.
2: I would I, not I be good it. at this job. I would <laughs> not either. Okay. All right. Um, so, all right, it, this 9% millennials or under 30, 34 and under, what is it they're buying? Are they buying specific products or are they across the map?
3: No, they're basically buying... Um, you know, travel trailer. Travel trailers make up about 70% of our industry, mm-hmm. um, which isn't a shock. Um, they're buying the under $30,000 travel trailers. That's probably the biggest segment that they're they're. Which, which So they're buying sense. the
2: same thing everybody else is buying, right?
3: Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, they obviously won't have as deep of pockets as a uh, 45, 50, 55 year old. So, mm-hmm. but yes, they're still in that main selling category of the under $30,000 travel trailer. Now, those prices have creeped up a little bit. So maybe it's a little over 30 now.
1: What about as far as what types of trailers are selling across the board? Have like Class A's come up or gone down or pop-ups gone up or?
3: Travel trailers, They three or four years ago, they made up about 65% of the market. Now right. they're 70%. Okay. Fifth wheels make up about 18% of our market. Wow. Um, it's more than I would have thought. Motorized, and I know it's a lot of numbers, motorized is about 9% of our market. Okay. Mm-hmm, where in 2007, it was 15% of the market. Okay. And if we wow. went further back, motorized was even more. So, towable RVs are definitely the vast majority of our market, which is not saying anything crazy.
1: Do you, is pop-ups like a genre you look at is that yep. that's separate right mm-hmm. we call
3: them camping trailers camping trailers okay whatever, whatever you want to refer to them as.
1: i would think maybe those would be going up just because they tend to be a little less expensive and might be more Entry accessible level. to the younger crowd is that true
3: so pop-ups 20-ish years ago there was about 30 35 40 pop pop-ups sold a year mm-hmm. now there's eight to ten thousand sold a year oh wow and the reason is the fifteen thousand dollar and under travel trailers appeared Ah. so it's not that that market's gone away they've just shifted to a different product but the same price range
1: but with solid walls
3: and
2: (laughs) And, and not a 30 minute setup all
1: right that
3: makes (laughs) that makes sense and those would be the issues, which I'm sure the camping trailer manufacturers see when you're competing against a hard-walled travel trailer at the same price.
0: Right. Now, what didn't get mentioned, and I think I know where this where the answer will fall or land, truck campers. What can you tell us about truck campers? Nothing. Or anything.
3: Well, nothing strong, but not as much as we'd like. So truck campers only have to be registered in eight states, which makes no sense to me. So, most of those states are out in the west in Ohio and Michigan. Texas does not require truck campers to be registered as an example. Cuz they doesn't so ha- they mean don't have wheels.
0: Is- it makes sense to me. It, it it's your truck's backpack. Yeah. It's just going to school. <laughs>
3: but it doesn't make sense <laughs> to me because those are twenty-five, thirty, dollars 35,000 units mm-hmm.
2: or more. Yeah. Double that, okay?
3: All right. 50,000, whatever. <laughs> they have a VIN number, just register them. That way there's a There's a tracking of them. Yeah, they're not required, so we don't have a great outlook on that. Outlook. I mean, we can take those eight states and make projections. We've tried to work with uh, uh, the truck camper industry. I don't know if you know Gordy Brown, and trying to get better data, but it's tough. We wish all the states had. Truck campers registered. Yeah.
0: He just wants more numbers. Give yeah. him more numbers. <laughs> it's
3: more numbers. That's it.
1: <laughs> what about used units? I know they're going crazy. I mean, like we know as far as a dealership, they're going crazy. Do you have numbers for used units?
3: So we started getting used data, oh, about a year and a half ago or so.
1: Okay. So, like, right when. Everything right when
3: COVID, <laughs> right when COVID hit, we so COVID hit in April. We got it in June. Now, saying that, it's been a ten-year battle to get used data. Wow. Used data, used data is tough because when you get a registration in from the state, is that a re-registration? Is that just a change of address? I mean, how's that used unit coming in? So again, I've mentioned a few times. We use IHS Polk's experience on the auto side. With all of our used RV data, so they can actually decipher, all right, that's just a change of address, that's a used, or that's a re-registration. These are the actual used registrations. So we've had it for about a year, but we have a, a four-year history, let's say, of it. So what is what is your guys' guess? And PJ probably already knows this because she was at the conference. What's your guess is the total number of used RVs sold in the US last year? Oh,
1: I, P.S. I was knew, at the conference too. Was about but
3: 475. <laughs> New was about 475.
0: Gosh, I mean, I, I get to guess this because I was the only one not at the conference. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 300,000? Eh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
3: 781,000. Oh!
1: Shut up. <laughs> what?
3: Wow. So take that on top of new. We have over 1.2, 1.3 million RVs changing hands each year in the U.S.
0: I am building an RV storage facility now.
3: Right? I get at least one call a week from people looking to build RV storage facilities. Yeah. At least one call a week.
1: Why do they call you? Well, he's
0: a numbers
3: guy. Yeah. Okay. No, they call him. Do you loan the money? (laughs) What's that?
1: Do you
2: loan the money?
3: No, no not right, <laughs> to my knowledge, no. They just want to know how many RVs are registered in a specific market.
1: Okay, that
2: makes so sense. So they can do
3: their analysis, you know, because they'll know how many storage facilities are already there. So
1: yeah, yeah I say just, I say just build it anywhere. You'll build it and they will come. <laughs> yeah. Isn't
0: that what oh, they say? Yeah, try Cornfield. Yeah
3: yeah well, you I probably court. could today you could build it and it would no matter where it was it would fill up for sure
0: now i've seen some of the, the reports uh kind of looked over uh pj's shoulder while she gets her report and kind of pours over it and all that and it's really just reporting it is the numbers and all that and we do our job here to do some interpretive work do it do you ever get a chance to go into uh conferences and things like that and actually say okay yes we report most of the time but I get to interpret or even project a little bit. Do you ever have that opportunity to interpret and project?
3: We interpret all the time. We don't project because you can be wrong. Ah.
2: Oh, but we're going to ask you to do that anyway, because we're wrong all the time and we want some company. We're
0: we're also okay with it.
2: (laughs) 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 And it's recorded so you can be real wrong. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. What, what do you think is going to happen? What do what's it going to be looking like next year or the year after?
3: Well, obviously, there's been a ton of new inventory bought right? by a lot of new RV buyers. We hope 100% of these new RV buyers stay in the lifestyle. We know that's not going to happen. What percent stays? 50, 60, 70, hopefully. But that other 30th percent, they're going to look to get rid of their RVs. So our my feeling, talking to enough people, there's going to be a lot of used inventory you know, in the next 12, 18 months, which... That obviously doesn't always bode well for the OEMs, but hopefully it's good for everybody because that means we'll have enough inventory to get people who want to be in RVs in RVs. So, so you the, think that in
2: the next year we're going to have a glut of used units?
3: I hate to say glut; that sounds bad. We try to it keep things sunny. Oh, it's and, an
2: ugly word. Too,
3: but... We try to keep things sunny in Philadelphia. It's that okay. survey, so we like to say. uh, A good amount will be available for consumers or some fancy term like that okay but there's going to be more used in a year than there is now i think that's safe to say
0: i mean right now it's definitely what we would call a seller's market By i mean by every stretch of the definition do you think it's going to start moving back a little bit more to a more balanced buyers and sellers market in the next year or two years
3: I would think the industry wants that. Yeah, because this is exhausting. (laughs) What we
2: want doesn't always happen. I will just tell you. Because when we have 12 units to sell on my lot, what I want is not happening. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, but but we have a lot of people say, we're not going to buy this year. We're going to wait and buy next year because there'll be a ton of used ones out there. But they were saying that last year. Right. And it's not happening yet. Eventually, they'll
1: be true. We just don't know
2: when. Well, I mean, if you live long enough, even fashion comes back around 40 years later. I mean, we're wearing bell bottoms again, right? No. We
3: are. And (laughs) someone is, not me. (laughs) I think the craziest trend that's back in style is short shorts are now in style for guys. I thought the long shorts would stay around forever. I mean, that trend lasted. You were just hoping. 25 years. No, I just can't wear shorts now. I can't expose my pale legs that high up. (laughs)
1: Hey, Scott, I have a secret for you. I'm ready. You ready? You can wear whatever you want, even if it's not in fashion. That's true. Don't tell anybody,
3: though. Don't don't tell
0: anybody. How encouraging you are today.
1: Well, I'm wearing bell bottoms, so. (laughs) (laughs) And
2: and
0: we're we're
3: on a Zoom call. I wear the exact same thing every single day. So, fashion doesn't really affect me. (laughs) It's all Ah, about
2: comfort. There you go. Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next year or two, because the only thing that we can guarantee is that everything changes. uh, That is true. Which is why you're so important to us.
3: Well, we appreciate that. But we, we just think the RV industry is in a great position. I mean, with the amount of units out there and how much people enjoy RVing. Yeah. I mean, I know personally in the last 15 months, more people who are friends or family have asked me about RVs than in the previous 14 years. Mm -hmm. They're like, Scott, what do you know about RVs? I'm like, what do you want to know? <laughs> Which oh. number?
1: And yeah. Scott, you're right. I think that's one of the best things. You know, we talk about like the industry and numbers and all this stuff. But I think the really, really great thing is more people are going outside and camping and enjoying this lifestyle. And that's, I don't know, that's awesome.
3: It is. Can I? It helps us all.
0: Can I ask? since you since you we have a pretty positive outlook on the industry and the availability of product and and opportunities for customers but within that kind of happy optimistic view what is your take on the conversation of large conglomerates large networked bought up dealerships versus where we stand we're a we're a small dealership
2: I was hoping we could ask that question.
0: And I don't know if I asked it well, I mean, but. No,
3: I well, do you point. guys
2: track like single play, single location dealerships? And can you compare it to people with three, four, five, seven, ten, fifteen 10, 15 stores?
3: Yeah. No, and we absolutely It's a weird can. way to count. Yeah, well,
1: <laughs> uh, it's conglomerates come in, in all sizes.
3: <laughs> That's yeah, how they buy so it, As you guys know more than me the dealer consolidation has been almost amazing Yeah, the last six months. I mean, every time I go in RV business,
2: it
3: it is. And every time I go in RV business, this dealer bought this dealer. And Mm -hmm. I also think, you know, the, the three to six location dealerships, they're feeling pressure to add more dealerships, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. fuels the, you know, the, consolidation i don't want to call it, it mania but
0: well it's kind of like buying toilet paper in a in a rush it's like hey, is it like that That basket has 15 i only have three i need five
1: yeah obviously yeah. i'm behind yeah yeah
0: i need more toilet but paper. but is it basket. one ply or two ply uh it kind of depends on what uh bracket of product yeah. you carry
2: <laughs> depends on what's so in the me, bin right
3: yeah let me turn it around how do you guys see as a single location dealership the advantages competing against the bigger guys Hmm. I
2: I think there are advantages of being a single location. Um, We know that when we talk to people, we are working with people that are able to and willing to come to our one location. When we uh, talk about what products we have, it's very consolidated. We can be very direct with everyone. The communication within our dealership is really good because we're all sitting right here. I think yeah. we're also nimble. We can kind of turn on a dime and say, oh, you know, we were going to run a sale on that, but now I've only got two of them. So let's change and let's do something different. Um Our buying is nimble. We have uh, manufacturers that call us up and say, hey, I got two that just fell off the map with somebody else and they're kind of weird. Do you want them? And I can say, oh, you bet. Send it to me. And when you get to some of the larger corporate stores, they have to ask a few people and it has to fit within their metrics. Uh, With us, we don't care. Um, uh, So... That is helpful to some degree. It uh, it has the clear drawbacks that everybody will recognize, which is getting product, um, feeling important to manufacturers, to supply. Uh, If I had one store and somebody else who had 15 stores, um, that person with 15 stores is going to be harassing me more, and it's going to cause me a real problem if they get angry with me. So that is, you know, just in in all the different ways, how it affects us. But when we look at the numbers, I haven't been able to decipher whether our growth has been as big as uh, maybe somebody that's connected to a large store like Camping World or general. Um, are as a single location, are we having the same growth experience? as they are are what What are you seeing on that side
3: well the data goes all around in circles because i think a lot of dealers feel that the bigger locations are getting more product
2: is that true uh,
3: it, it appears true in some cases and in other cases not so true so but nobody's going beautiful.
2: under the bus so you're not going to tell any names
3: yeah, we don't. I can't throw anybody under fun. the bus. You can call me offline, yeah. BJ, and I'd be happy to throw <laughs> people under the bus. I don't need to throw
2: anybody under the bus either. So, well, the
3: whole point is hopefully, you know, the single, single location dealers have a place. Absolutely. You're more in touch with your customers, probably. You probably know that, you know, Bobby has a brother, Sal, who might be interested in an RV and bigger locations, they have other advantages that may be a small dealership. So, hopefully everybody can just get along and grow the industry together because that's really the end goal for princess craft to grow for we keep saying keystone, keystone to grow for stat surveys to grow. We want the industry right. to grow.
2: So what I heard you say is that in some cases you are seeing larger growth in some of the larger conglomerate stores.
3: Yeah. But then in some cases we don't. Okay. So I don't think there's any rhyme, any rhyme or reason in terms of, well, Maybe the OEMs are just sending product to the big guys. The data doesn't always suggest that. It's really dependent on markets. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe maybe smaller dealers are doing good in XYZ market and bigger dealers are doing good here. Well, that could just be that the smaller dealers are better in these markets and the bigger dealers are better in these markets. Oh, good
2: point. Good point.
3: You know, sometimes it does come down to how well you run your dealership.
2: So there is no clear marker there. That's good to know. Yeah. It's good to know. Just find a good dealership. Doesn't matter if they're bigger or That's conglomerate or dealership. individual. Yep. All righty. Well, is there anything we haven't covered that has jumped out at you over all of this wild ride of RV selling?
3: No, no, not really. I think if we talked about it, if we if we had this conversation last April, we probably would have all been nervous about our jobs, our livelihood. And boy, that has come 180 degrees. Now we're worried about how do we get more product out there?
1: Right.
2: So It's so true.
3: It's quite the run.
1: I have one more question, which might be weird, but only because this podcast goes out to, you know, customers and consumers is all this data and these stats. Is this available to customers or is it just available to dealerships? Because I know we have some listeners that are going to, Say, oh, I want to look at this no, these numbers.
3: They can absolutely purchase it. I mean, I'm not trying to take a sale away from stat surveys. I don't know how it would help a consumer, though.
1: Hey, there are geeky people out there. Right. Who right. Like That's numbers. what I'm I'm just thinking for I the geeky people them, so they know if it's available to them or right. not. Because so, we'll yes, get that question. Hobbyists. I'm sure. Yeah.
3: Yes, we're happy to sell it to whoever because we'll probably get three calls a year from somebody who'll say, hey, hey, this is statistical surveys. I Googled you. What can you tell me about XYZ model and how it sells or its its ratings or this or that? And I'll mm-hmm. have to tell the consumer. I'll say, that's not what we do. We mm-hmm. can tell you how many are registered in Abilene, Texas or Alma, Michigan, right. but we can't tell you how good of a product it is. Right. right.
0: Yeah. That's All not right. a VIN number f- provides. <laughs> good,
2: bad. Good. <laughs> oh, so interesting. Um, I appreciate you kind of interpreting things for us and letting us kind of pick your brain on this. And I didn't fall asleep. I know.
0: And it was numbers. Good, good. very good. Yeah, yeah,
1: I know. Thank you.
2: Who
3: knew? Good job, no. Scott. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
0: What an
1: adventure, right, guys?
0: Yeah. I mean, considering your segue of adventuring into statistics, we might as well fall out of that with an adventure.
1: There were comment. highs, there were lows. Oh, the
0: drama. <laughs> yeah. Suspense all the yes. way through. But here's the deal: <laughs> talking to Scott was not boring.
1: No, it it's enlightening and uh, he keeps it he keeps it fun and interesting. And yeah. we really appreciate that. But did you learn something? That's always the big question.
0: Yeah. Sure. What did you learn, Lindsay? Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Here's here's the, I think it's really cool. The methodology that, that, that he uses, the way that they get information from the states is the VIN numbers, but it turns into so much more. You can extrapolate so much that's useful for everybody.
1: Yeah. I learned that Kansas still sucks. (laughs) It's still Kansas I
2: I was Just uh, kidding Kansas
0: uh, I was
1: really surprised
2: that Did you like
0: any of their songs No I have some of their
1: records from my dad but I Don't think I've ever actually
0: You should give them a spin and see see how you feel
1: Okay I'll report back on the next podcast How Lindsay feels about Kansas
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like it Oh okay PJ how about you Learn anything Uh, From Scott?
2: Yes, I did. (laughs) From Scott. Um, I think I learned a little more about motorcycles, actually. Uh, Um, Well,
0: that's the deal. You've actually been looking at the product that his company puts out, the statistics and and analysis for years.
2: Yes, but I don't think I realized that 9% was the rate of... 34 and under
3: now yeah
2: and who knew i mean the thought the talk is always that you know they're buying all these adventure trailers and that's really driving the market uh it kind of sounded like they're buying everything that everybody else is buying Mm -hmm. they're just younger
0: yeah so they're they're buying the category that is the biggest category anyways right right kind of the entry to mid-level travel trailer
2: doesn't it make sense but it isn't just the extreme sports type person. Right. So yeah, that was that was news. That was news that I hadn't picked up on.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to take the the bread and butter travel trailer to go get yeeted off of a cliffside. <laughs> but
2: <laughs> Well, I'll have to tell you, you know, I'm not a numbers person either. And when I look at, you know, the pages and pages and pages of numbers oh, that yeah. he sends, it is hard to get through it and sort it out mm-hmm. and see what I'm sure he can see right off the bat. So mm-hmm. always glad to talk to Scott.
0: Well, I, th- I thought it was great because this is information that, of course, we look at as a dealership and it helps mm-hmm. us to choose products or understand the market that we exist in, manufacturers, but it's pretty cool for at least some of our listening audience to know oh you know we do track these things it informs our decisions it it it's nice to know you know do i fit in the larger group the smaller group am i more quirky you yeah. know with what i well purchase. i think
2: we all want to think of ourselves as interesting and different from the crowd so uh yeah yeah maybe some of you may not want to know those stats because you may not be very different from mm-hmm. the
1: crowd
0: well it, you but- know i understand the people who want to be more bread and butter more mm-hmm. plain because i hey. took a perfectly wonderful sun dried pink motorcycle and painted it tan <laughs>
2: Well, on the other hand, (laughs) we see a whole lot of people who buy your average travel trailer and turn it into something very unique, very amazing and a great adventure for them. So, yeah, you can still be unique, just not in the stats. So, Yeah. yeah, it was great to talk to him. I hope you guys enjoyed it.
0: Very good. Okay, check out the show notes for this episode at rvsmalltalk.com. Join us over on Facebook at the RV Small Talk community. And this has been good. Do send us your suggestions. Go to questions at rvsmalltalk.com. Not don't don't go there. Send us an email to there. <laughs> yes. Questions at rvsmalltalk.com. <laughs> send us a comments, suggestions, something that you want to know more about, and we'll see if we can turn it into an episode. We'd love to do that for you because well it's fun we're having fun here are you having fun yeet yeet